everybody. I'm Sasha Feiler. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is Shut, Shut Up, Up, I, I Love it. it, your favorite podcast. <laughs> we debated whether we should say that or not, and we went with it. And we went with because it. Because it's true. This is a podcast where we invite our guests to come on and champion a piece of the culture that they love, but that most people either don't know about or don't care for. And joining us today... <laughs> He is a filmmaker slash musician from Houston, Texas, currently based in Los Angeles. Most people on this podcast are based in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. He has six albums out on Spotify and iTunes, and his feature film Party Crew is on YouTube and Vimeo. He is Andrew Hayworth. Hey, guys. Andrew Hayworth. Andrew, hi. Thank you for being on Shut Up. I love it today. (laughs) Thank you for saying shut up when I started talking. (laughs) Honestly, it's probably what I say to you the most. (laughs) It probably is. It's an aggressive name. It starts Uh aggressively, but then immediately is supposed to disarm. Andrew Hayworth is an aggressive name? The name of the podcast. No. Uh Yeah. God, shut up. It's not all about you. It's our podcast. But today it is about you, Andrew. Well, it's it's about what Andrew wants to talk about today, Mm -hmm. which is what, Andrew? Why are we here? Uh, We're here because of the film The Hole, uh, 1998. Directed mm-hmm. by Sai Ming Lang. Mm-hmm. So this film is also known as The Dong and Last Dance. <laughs> I think Dance. it's just Dong. I, yeah, yeah. Really? Because I think <laughs> the is probably not the Chinese part. <laughs> All right. I went with it. Um, <laughs> like The Dong. Um, yeah. It's The Dong. The Dong. Not a lot of Dongs in the movie, if any. Well, there's... Well, oh. it depends. There's a big hole in the movie, and that is what dong means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, from maybe from your xenophobic perspective, <laughs> there's not a lot of dongs. And we will be talking about this movie through my xenophobic perspective. But also enlightened by the love of the peace. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, so this mm-hmm. movie is really hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew is a film school graduate. Yes. And in classic film school graduate <laughs> fashion... He chose the hardest movie in the world to see in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of speaks to the theme of the show, right? This movie, The Hole by Simon Lang, a Taiwanese director, is hard to find in America for a reason, right? There's not a lot of demand for mm-hmm. Simon Lang films over here. Even on this film, I'm just going to jump ahead, was nominated for a Palme d'Or at Cannes wow. Festival. That, I that. I guess. Yeah. Didn't win, I assume. Hey, a nomination is already a win. What wins in 1998 at Cannes? Probably. Why don't you look it up, Stephen, and tell us what film won in 1998? Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Cannes, 1998. And I'm going to guess. So 1998. Was it probably Clerks? Yeah. Clerks 2. A very early cut. You know, because Cannes screen's like unfished. While Stephen's looking (laughs) it up. I'd like to define the genre of this film, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. It's a dark drama musical film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dark apocalyptic, you know, storytelling going on with four, I think, musical numbers coming up sporadically, sporadically. Like, based on like the emotion of the characters at the time, particularly based on the emotion the of woman. the woman yeah. downstairs. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the movie takes place in at like the 
the precipice of the new millennium and maybe mm-hmm. not precipice, but like 1999 it's like mid-december 1999 when the movie starts and uh taiwan has been overrun by a mysterious disease that's making mm-hmm. people act like cockroaches yeah. and can i just uh, say right premise. away i know nobody likes cockroaches but uh-huh. i am petrified by them i uh-huh. have a severe oh, wow. phobia of cockroaches and so when i saw the cockroach in the yeah film, there's one in the, i yeah. Like I did not feel well. I had to like sit down. Oh fuck! Yeah, I'm so I, sorry. I know. I mean, it's fine. It's just I content hate... warning for cockroaches. <laughs> Trick trigger uh, warning. I hate if cockroaches cockroach. so bad that I cannot watch the part of the pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty. Oh yeah. Where he uh, assimilates with a cockroach like i have to walk out and turn up the sound because it sounds like a cockroach good sound mixing on rick and morty Uh do you think as a performer you would be able to embody a cockroach the way that some of the actors in this movie have to i think so because yeah they don't have like cockroach like trait you know no yeah i would like moving exactly i agree as much as this disease uh, makes people behave like cockroaches. Mm-hmm. It's not overdone. Mm-hmm. Real quick, I'll say uh, the winner of the Palme d'Or at Cannes that year was Eternity in a Day. What is that? It's a Greek film by mm. Theo Angelopoulos, I've starring heard Bruno Ganz, who famously played Hitler <laughs> in the film Downfall and then became a meme. There's um, a lot of stuff other... in this movie that I feel like could be memes if if america gave it a chance other interesting facts about the 1998 Cannes film festival the opening film that year was primary colors which is kind of like a fictionalization of bill clinton's presidential campaign starring john travolta interesting and the closing film of that year's Cannes was godzilla the 1998 film which (laughs) that's another episode you should have megan on yeah so (laughs) megan loves that movie that no one else likes. Does Megan has a tattoo of Godzilla? So she does not have a Godzilla tattoo. Yeah. Not yet. She does have a Godzilla hat. Um. So yeah. So this movie, Dawn. there is a this disease, this mysterious virus has kind of taken over Taiwan. The city is being quarantined. Taiwan is not a city. It's a. It's a island, right? It's an island. Yeah. It's but like maybe it has a big city. Taipei is the big Taipei. city. Is that where this, this movie takes... is taking place? I don't know. I, I would assume. I think so, so because they, from what I remember, because there's constant like sort of classic, you know, news report, radio, yeah, yeah. And television yeah, in the background. That's the main delivery device of information because aside from that, there's not a ton of dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Just really news reports telling us what's going on. So the 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 region is being quarantined, but a lot of the people living in Taiwan, especially living in this apartment building, are refusing to leave. And that includes the two main characters who are, in the credits, pretty much just referred to as the woman downstairs, mm-hmm. played by Yang Ke Mei, I think we decided we would pronounce it that way. Yeah. And the man upstairs, played by Lee Kang Sheng, who seems to be Simon Lang's kind of he's, like he's regular Robert leading De Niro. man. Uh-huh. Yeah, to the Scorsese. He is famously, I'm just saying, based on my today's research of this (laughs) film, but he is famously the muse in the most purest sense for uh, the director, Tsai Ming Lang. The director met the actor when he was 21, working at an arcade, and he immediately started putting him in every single movie and became obsessed with him. Which one was working at the arcade? Lee Kang, Lee Kang Shang, Kang. Yeah, the, actor. the actor, yeah. And uh, the director's a little older. He's 11 years older. Than... And he was making, like, TV movies, I think, at that point. Like, Simon Lang made a lot of, like, 
TV type stuff. I think he did like TV stuff and then he started making his like legit the auteur like, stuff because yeah, yeah, he is yeah. legitimate auteur mm-hmm. for sure um, and it seems like he doesn't really make features anymore but he does still make a mm-hmm. lot of shorts well his shorts his shorts are long he mm-hmm. his his last like, under 40 short, though right no he had he had a short that was like 55 minutes well i call that's, that a feature but that's, that's my unpopular what's your opinion. what's your line 40 minutes 40 yeah. minutes so that's 41 academy, minutes that's yeah. the academy's cutoff mm-hmm. so the man upstairs a plumber comes by one day, tells mm-hmm. him there may be a leak in his building, and in the process of looking for the leak, he drills a hole in the floor. And do you think he was looking for the leak, or do you think uh-huh. he's just knocking on the floor? I don't know how that's. Or I think maybe he's looking for a pipe. You know, that's what yeah. he said, but I didn't yeah. trust him fully at that time. Well, and he's he's, a strange um, guy. The way that he's never seen again after this scene, but he is kind of a presence in the film, both mm-hmm. in characters talking about him and then a interesting phone call scene between the woman downstairs and the plumber Mm -hmm. not to get too pretentious but there's like a theory that michelle hanukkah movie cachet uh have you guys seen that no and I also that? didn't know that he's Michelle Hanukkah. I was calling Michael so. Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. So that's already pretentious. Keep but going. it is yeah. Hanukkah like the Jewish I'm, holiday. I'm for sure it's Hanukkah. Because every sure time Hanukkah. someone says it that way, I'm always like, really? That's uh-huh. how we're saying it? <laughs> so, so yeah. So there's it's Michelle theory. Hanukkah. Yeah, there's a theory. The movie is basically about like this couple that keeps getting these like strange like VHS tapes mailed to them. And there's like weird like spooky shit like on the VHS tapes. And there's a theory that Michelle Hanukkah is the character sending them the VHS tapes as if he is like, you know, willing the plot to continue. And I think that's an interesting way to view like the plumber could be this guy. who's just Simon Lang is the plumber. I mean, (laughs) not, not literally, not literally, but but like, it's like literally just like a random person coming in to like start the movie to like Mm. give you the premise of the movie, which is just, there's a hole in the floor that is connecting these two like disconnected people yeah, and so causes this, all the conflict of the movie. This whole connects the man upstairs and the <clears throat> woman downstairs apartments. So for the next 90 minutes, this woman is forced to endure the um, antics of this man <laughs> and one, gets very drunk all the time. Yeah. yeah. But one thing is when he has to use the bathroom and she hears the mm-hmm. urine and she's annoyed by that. But another thing is when he goes over and starts vomiting yeah. in the hole. And that's like the first thing he does. We don't work up to that. Mm-hmm. So the woman downstairs, her Get apartment. Get him early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her apartment is constantly being flooded. Part of this virus seems to be that it's always raining. It's constantly raining. Because it's like two rules almost in the world, right? Yeah, the yeah, virus yeah. and the constant rain. Mm. And you wonder if they're connected. And this woman's yeah. apartment, water is just running down the walls like a waterfall. Mm-hmm. So that's why she has a ton of toilet paper <laughs> yeah, that yeah, she yeah. keeps bringing inside her home that she uses to collect all the water with, which seems like a very inefficient way to collect <laughs> water. But who am I to Well, in her judge? defense, she has called a plumber. Yeah. She is trying to get this problem fixed. Um, Plumber's not helpful. No, no. And you gotta wonder. I think he's busy. I don't know how. He's he's made a lot of holes in a lot of people's (laughs) apartments. (laughs) Andrew, maybe you can speak to this because you. I don't know how many Simon Lang movies you've seen. I've seen, I think, all of them. All the features? All the features. Have you seen Afternoon? No, I can't find that anywhere. I would love to watch that. Afternoon's a movie that I think is all one take. I believe it's just unedited dialogue so it's I like think so, yeah it's my dinner with andre but more self-aggrandizing 
It's My Dinner with Andre for people who don't like My Dinner with Andre. Right, right. I read two articles about that and both critics were like, if Mm -hmm. you think this is like My Dinner with Andre, it's completely not. Uh And just don't even mention this has nothing to do with that. So my question was Mm -hmm. like, how political Mm -hmm. is he? Because there seems like there's something here, you know, with like the relationship between China and Taiwan. How? I didn't totally get that. (laughs) I I didn't see that. The way I was kind of thinking about it is the way that like Taiwan is, as a result of this virus, is being quarantined. Running water is going to be taken away from them, you know? Like they are being forced to be this separate place, which I imagine is what like people in Taiwan might feel you know they want to be separate from china the director is of chinese descent Mm -hmm. but he was born in malaysia okay then later he moved to china but according to him he never felt belonging to either country that's why alienation is mostly like the theme that he explores that's what he's going that's his like big backstory essentially and i would say like his movies aren't really like political like because i i watched like all of his i got like really into him i was just like this is this is like unlike anything I've ever seen and I like gotta check it all out. And I feel like the thing that jumps out at you is the alienation thing. Like all of his movies are about these like misconnections with people and these people who are like, you know, oh, we're all like living in apartments, but you know, so close to each other, but well, we're Vida so like, L'Amour disconnected. is very much like that. For right? sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His <clears throat> biggest, I guess, well-known film, 1994, Viva L'Amour, about mm-hmm. three people who keep missing each other while coming in and out of, this one apartment yeah it's basically like this woman like lives in this apartment and this guy starts like squatting at her apartment and this other guy also starts squatting at her apartment but he starts like hooking up with her so she's like yeah he can spend the night but she's not aware of like the other guy but like both guys are like aware of each other and so they're constantly like passing it's it's a really like fun like strange like movie a lot like this one he has this movie what time is it there that's really good that's basically like um like kind of like a a meet cute that like almost happens like this guy and this girl are like about to get together but then she has to like go to France and then it's all about like, like the time difference between Taiwan and France so yeah that that's i would say like i don't really get like the political stuff that that could be there i don't I know mean, anything about uh, you know i yeah. and it's easy to you can read a political message into yeah. literally anything. Yeah. So that's why I was curious. Everything I was is asking political. The way that the woman downstairs, played by Yang K. May, mm-hmm. is constantly taking not literal shit, but shit. You know, the yeah. shit from this guy is rolling downhill onto her all the time. And it sounds like that was also <laughs> part of what was happening behind the scenes as well. Yeah. Because Siming Lang was giving her a lot of like acting notes, it seems like, whereas Lee Kang Sheng doesn't seem like much of a professional actor in the way mm-hmm. that like he wants, you know, like what's my motivation, that kind of thing. And it seems like she maybe um, did not feel like she was getting um you know, a fair amount in res- of like mm-hmm. actorly response from him when they were working together, um, which kind of goes with the movie itself, right? Um, what do you think kind of notes would you give to actors in a movie like this? It's so 
it's so strange well, uh, and again yeah. famously based on my today's <clears throat> research of uh never heard of the director until i started you know watching. oh so that answers my question for you did you have any familiarity nothing yeah have uh, you I mean, even heard I ha- of simon no I, I i haven't but you know there's other directors that i certainly see connections with you know like yeah. there's jarmusch there's tarkovsky i was going gonna on. bring up jarmusch because because when we were talking about uh jarmusch the other week because uh, i didn't know you were like super into jarmusch this was off microphone talk no but yeah like i i was thinking about that watching this movie and thinking it's so similar to the way that like Jarmusch will like take very like obvious genres you know and like this movie takes like it's like a disaster movie it's like this post-apocalyptic it's like these fun crazy genres and just done in this like super like alien weird way and it also has a fair amount of surrealism Mm -hmm. baked into it as well you know like it's not as kind of frightening or overtly surrealistic as Eraserhead but I Mm -hmm. did feel some eraser oh, definitely vibes some lynch going on yeah, yeah 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 um with the musical numbers undeniably for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah right the musical numbers and just the idea that like this whole is there yeah. and there is nothing they can do about it yeah. right and they just have to live with this whole yeah. and with each other and that i feel is like such a that feeling of like burden is so baked into a racer head, you know, like mm-hmm. not just the burden of the baby that is eventually born, but also just like the the weight of this like scary world mm-hmm. that the main character is kind of carrying around in a racer head. That's I got that same kind of feeling in this. Isn't there a movie called The Cube that you guys know that movie? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just seen it's, a little bit of that. Yeah, it's definitely very I've seen uh, Cube Two Hypercube. <laughs> <laughs> which was the sci-fi channel sequel let's do an episode on cube um, I, I don't cube. remember cube the original one that well but i do see the connection that like the filmmaker chooses a concept mm-hmm. and like it dictates the world and yeah. it changes the world based on the shape or like it becomes a premise of this world that the characters have to work around and it's usually very bleak and they, they feel very trapped in it in that sense the whole is definitely that you know mm-hmm yeah and i also felt a little peter greenaway in it as well peter Peter greenaway's early movies especially like before he started having budgets that he could like work with but something like the falls which is such a weird movie that's like a fake documentary right yeah it's a three-hour fake documentary Uh about three hours mm -hmm. that's crazy and it's like designed to all look like archival footage and like yeah pictures of documents and stuff that sounds great yeah i'm sure you'd love it i like it a lot too in the world of the falls a event happened that kind of changed most of the population Mm -hmm. in like weird ways sometimes really small ways but kind of like turned them into x-men type of mutants you know what the fuck and the reason this movie is called the falls is because it is part of a larger documenting of everyone who was affected by this event and the people that they are documenting in this three-hour chunk of the larger piece are the people whose last names start with fall so like fall brook, fall bird, like that's pretty cool. All the, the falls. fucking best premise for a movie. <laughs> the whole the film we're talking about today, the whole also uh-huh. of course has to be you know connected to Tarkovsky. I mean, yeah, he, like Andrei Tarkovsky, you know, created sort of the slow pace, yeah. and uh, the world 
with a rule that one has to follow and be uh, a servant to. Like Stalker is a great example of a movie that's mm-hmm. similar in some ways to this film. Have you seen is it the final sacrifice? The last sacrifice? It's one of his last movies. I think it's movies. called Sacrifice. Just Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. His yeah. last few movies are just like one words, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, just dealing the with a theme. That's the one that I've seen most prominently that i that i have the most vivid memories of tarkovsky wise Mm -hmm. but yeah right that like the slow cinema idea right that a lot of your shots are going to be a person in a space kind of exploring that space not much dialogue the camera is placed on the tripod and Mm -hmm. this is it well this movie compared to like the rest of his filmography i think i watched this this is one of like the last ones i watched i had already like seen a lot of his other stuff and he really, in his other movies, really commits to like, this is just a fucking tripod static shot for like 15 minutes. Mm. Like there, there are ones that last that long. How long are his other movies usually? Th- that's the his thing about, features. that's the thing about him. Like they're, you would expect them to be like really long because it's slow, but like he has like one movie that's over two hours. Like most of them are under two hours. Yeah, that's kind of my... That was my reference point for him going into this movie is like a slow cinema director whose name, you know, I usually heard alongside like Ho Xiao Shen. Sure. Who is maybe like a generation older than him, but is definitely part of like the slow, like methodical thing. Yeah. Jia Zhang Kei, who is more overtly political, which is why I was thinking maybe Simon Lang was as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these directors, Chinese directors who are so methodical and slow paced and just like exploring letting their character explore the set in that moment right yeah but so i was very surprised and you told us going into it that this movie's pretty short yeah and yeah there are long scenes you know where characters aren't saying anything but i would never call it boring no yeah that's the biggest thing about Uh, it there's not a lot that happens though yeah no i think you know both actors are really fantastic and uh Lee Kang Shang is Buster Keaton like. He commands. Oh. He commands yeah. the screen, mm-hmm. even if he's not like acting per se, the way that Yang K May may be, which is not that her performance is overly actorly, but he is just kind of a presence on the screen. You really cannot tell yeah. if he's acting or he's just living in the space. Mm-hmm. He gives off these like like James Dean vibes, where he's just kind of like head hung low, angsty, done with everything yeah he's yeah he's he's fucking wild he he does things in like every movie that are just like yeah i can see why (laughs) this is the one guy you want to work with and it's very interesting because there are not a lot of close-ups i think there's a Mm -hmm. few close-up shots happening during the musical numbers but for the most part it's very establishing shots and you just see him being in the space Mm -hmm. so andrew why do you think simon lang hasn't really caught on in the u.s the -hmm. way that like you know one of his contemporaries i would imagine would be ang lee you know he's also a taiwanese filmmaker who is a you know major he's like an american director right he's making american movies. yeah but you know he started off making these small like taiwanese not just uh, productions but also like in personality movies you know, why didn't Simon, why hasn't Simon Lang caught on? Does, does Simon Lang care? Even mm-hmm. I feel like he doesn't care. I've seen like a couple interviews with him and he seems just very like, I think he's very aware of like the type of movies he's making. I don't think he's the type of person that, that would be like, what the fuck? Like, 
you know, like people don't like, no, it's, I feel like if you're making this type of movie, you're aware that like, yeah, there's a large section of people that are going to be turned off by that, just the style, just like the premise of, of the movie. I think it's interesting to compare him to Ang Lee. Cause like Ang Lee is, is like the director that's like fully just gotten the Hollywood system. Like, you know, he's a, he's a blank check director. He now. drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now he's we got absolutely... Will Smith fighting oh, man. Will Smith. In 120 frames per second. Right. Yeah. They're totally different mm-hmm. directors, right? Even in his early work, Ang Lee is not experimenting the way that Simon mm-hmm. Lang is. I was like looking on the Simon Lang like Wikipedia and I saw something Ang Lee talks about like how he has like a lot of respect for Simon Lang and they like get dinner sometimes like hmm. these guys like know each other. And apparently he said that like I haven't seen the Hulk lately, but he said the relationship it's just between. Hulk. Oh, sorry. Um, But he said like the relationship uh, between the Hulk and Bruce Banner was like very Simon Lang. You know, Simon Lang is not this like super niche like person that like other Taiwanese directors would be like, well, I don't make those kinds of movies. What's his profile like in Taiwan or in China, do you think? Do you know? I think he's like kind of big. I know he he made this one movie called The Wayward Cloud that is like pretty crazy. It also does like the sporadic musical number thing. Hmm. It's the only other movie that he's done that has done that. But I think that's like one of the highest grossing movies in Taiwan. These are movies that are like connecting with people. But I also do think that like Wong Kar Wai is like the middle ground in terms of how people view these movies between like Ang Lee and Simon Lang, where Ang Lee's like totally assimilated into America. Simon Lang is totally just doing his own thing. But Wong Kar Wai is like, if you ask like any kid in film school about like foreign films, they'll be like, oh yeah. In like the Mood for Love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like oh, Chung King Express. Express. Yeah. And I've always found Wong Kar Wai like really like boring because it, it, it. I actually yeah. do enjoy a lot his films. I like mm-hmm. Chunking Express a lot, and I I think right. In the Mood for Love is good. No, look, Andrew, I get it. You went to film school. You have a lot of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I really want to get across here. I have a lot of opinions. What uh, film school did you go to? I went to University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And who are some of the famous alums? Uh, David Gordon Green, Jeff Nichols. Brett Haley, director of uh, Hearts Beat Loud and The Hero. I think those are like the big three. No, but yeah, I, I feel like um, Wong Kar Wai is like an easier pitch to people too. Well, yeah. and his movies are like They're romance. like American. Yeah. They're romantic in a way that that's a thing for people to latch on to. Yeah. Right? The connection between the two characters. Whereas like there are elements of that in this, you yeah. know, like there is a connection between these two oh, characters. They're more erotic. This, even the Wan Karwai, of course, is very erotic, but there's sensuality that's based in romance, like, mm-hmm. like you're saying. And the whole, there's the eroticism that's sort yeah. of like against all odds, I uh, think. Yeah. You're right. And that's what makes it feel almost like a David Lynch movie or a Peter Greenaway movie where like the eroticism doesn't make sense. You yeah. know, like, it's not, How it's you... not like you look, you're like, yeah, Tony <laughs> Lung and Maggie Chung are beautiful people. Yeah. Of course they are in love, you know? Well, there's also no real transition from they kind of hating each other. The yeah, men up, they really hate each men other. Men upstairs and women downstairs. And then all of a sudden... They're masturbating on the phone, talking to <laughs> yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess this was like a two-plane shot. When uh, there is that the one building. shot. They find out that this disease is 
possibly being carried by cockroaches. Yeah. And so the woman downstairs starts to spray her whole apartment. Because they say that, and then she immediately sees a cockroach yeah. in the hole. This is when I freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she sprays it up through the hole, so it's filling his apartment. Yeah. And so he can't be in there, and he's outside. He's coughing. Just kind of like catching She's, his breath. Yeah. It's raining. So you see him on his balcony, <laughs> and then in the background, you see on like a, a low... It's a beautiful shot. Uh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- is that a high angle shot? I think it's a, a high angle shot. No, I think that's a high angle. That's a high angle shot. And so then, you can see him in the foreground and from her, down we get the a low level angle, below, yeah. you can see her. And then he flips the camera and we see her in the foreground and the camera's pointing That's up at him. That's the set piece of this film. Yeah. Really. yeah. That's what you remember. Besides yeah. like the musical the numbers. And right? the hole. But the no, hole. but oh man, when the guy puts his leg in the hole. Yes. I fuck that shit is so good. He gets so many jokes out of the hole when he's like looking through the hole and like she's like on the phone with someone and she's like, yeah, I see an eye in the hole and then she like sprays him like a cat he he does it all with the hole so he gets think... his mileage out of that he uses yeah. every part of the hole so he uses the whole hole and if it weren't for that hole they never would have interacted before it takes apocalypse a disease that we see people being affected by that disease and it seems very mortal like yeah you hear a lot of talk about how like patients are being found hiding under beds yeah. and that kind of thing and then we have a scene. So the the man upstairs owns a grocery store, like a stall. That no one really goes to mm-hmm. in this. Except old man who's looking for bean sauce. That's been, <laughs> that that's he been made have. for years. Uh, <laughs> but one day while he's wandering around in this kind of like empty, empty farmer's market kind of place, he sees a man crawling on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at first he just thinks it's funny. Yeah. He thinks it's uh, just another day drinking. Right. Maybe this yeah. guy's just drunk. But then it becomes clear to him that like this is the disease. And the man like scurries into a into a dark mm-hmm. hole, and then later, and then he like screams. He like looks into the hole, and we don't see anything in that hole. And mm. he just screams, and you're just like, "Holy there shit!" There are multiple holes in this film. Yeah. Later, the woman downstairs is kind of looking at a bulletin board, and these men barge through mm-hmm. this room carrying a man who's clearly been affected in a stretcher, and he's like grabbing at her, and he's trying to get away, and uh, you really can see you know like this disease in action in those two moments it took so many horrible things to happen for these two characters to i guess fall in love or just i wonder like is it real at the (laughs) end part of it feels like stockholm syndrome yeah you know like she is kind of like battered into submission by the circumstance and by you know this uh, ever-present guy who kind of realizes too late that this hole is his responsibility as well yeah you know he realizes that like oh i'm half of this situation as well i need yeah. to take care of my part of this turns out it's too late because she spoiler alert yeah has contracted the disease yeah about 10 minutes before the movie ends. Mm-hmm. She wakes up in her bed. We we see earlier that she sneezes. And so we understand. The, the sneeze, has... It's made a big deal of the, the sneeze. Well, it's, it's a, a classic. Sneeze, it's a sneeze yeah. that then transitions immediately into a musical number about sneezing. Uh-huh. Beautiful yeah. and something I've never seen before. I mean, I really yeah. loved that musical number. That's a really mm. great song. When it starts being like, oh, yeah, the songs are going to be like jokes. Now. The first two are very like, oh, it's love. It's... Calypso. Yeah. And then that one's like the first one where it's like the joke. The recurring unusual thing of this song uh-huh. is that the woman sneezes all the time, but she explains it as sort of the mystical bad luck. It's sort of like a superstition. This means all these men are thinking about me. Mm. It's a magical thinking song. 
And we should mention that all of these musical numbers are the woman downstairs lip syncing to uh, music by Grace Chang. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in one per- in particular, the man upstairs is also in that one. That's, 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 that's kind of so when good. she's like, ooh, actually, this dope upstairs is kind of interesting. And it's kind of like... He does look pretty handsome. In that's that. him going full, James Dean. He's dressed up in a little suit. We've only seen him in like fucking like tank tops. Just like tiny sweaty. little underwear in the very first <laughs> scene. Yeah. That don't leave much to the imagination. No, that's the dong. <laughs> All right. The true dong of the film. There. I was waiting for uh, it. So she has the disease. She's scurrying around her apartment and she finds her way into a fort of the uh, toilet paper that she's bought. And I guess the man realizes this is happening, right? Mm-hmm. And, he, that, and so he starts banging on the floor. He's trying to like get her to snap out of it, is what I took that to be mm-hmm. sasha I, yeah i think he uh understands that he's losing her yeah he starts like making the hole bigger right yeah doesn't he yeah start, i don't like, know if he yeah if he's trying it? to make the hole bigger so he can get down there or i don't yeah. think he's doing what? anything that really except the frustration right and no, he doesn't see it doesn't there's nothing he can do right at least that's the impression we have of the disease at this point mm-hmm. is that you know she's been taken by it Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's just so upset. And then what we see on screen is she kind of emerges from this cocoon of toilet paper that she's made. And she's okay. And the man upstairs lowers a glass of water through the hole for her. She drinks it. Great and then he reaches down. He grabs her hands and pulls her up through the hole. We don't Not see it. Not unlike Big Trouble in Little China. There's a lot of people being pulled up <sighs> through the hole. I haven't so seen I'll that. I'll have to rewatch Big Trouble yeah. in Little China. A Makes good name for this movie, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> but almost like, you can't really pull anybody through the hole. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it requires I've tried. a lot of strength to pull an entire he's, person he's through a hole. He's pulling her with one hand. With one hand. One hand. He pulls her up through the hole. We see her disappear. <laughs> And that's the... Oh, and then we cut to another musical scene, but no one is lip syncing. It's just the two of them slow dancing to the final song. Yeah, sort of the musical Mm -hmm. element is gone, like as a genre. Yeah. And all that's left is the two people finally connecting for the first time. Like the spectacle of musical is gone. Almost as if to question... Maybe this is actually happening, right? Maybe mm-hmm. this one is not. I think a that fantasy. one was really happening. Mm-hmm. Well, so that, that I actually I've seen this movie twice, and and this time I for sure. Oh my god! I just Stephen rolled just my wrote, eyes. Yeah, twice yeah. is not that big. Like if you said, <laughs> I know. I've seen this movie well, guys, I've seen this movie once. <laughs> <laughs> big misdirect there. Uh-huh. <laughs> what were you gonna say? No, I actually like read it as like because it's such a hard cut. Like, the shot of her when she has, like, become full cockroach and just, like, her place is fucking destroyed. There's, like, this really great shot earlier that we didn't talk about where she's just ripping the drywall off of her. Wallpaper. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it is wallpaper. She's ripping, like, the wallpaper but just casually. But the entire casually. place is soaked in water. Yeah. Because right. it, it just see, rips off We see earlier easily. in the movie yeah. that she is, like, fighting to keep this wallpaper on the wall. Yeah. And the toilet paper? <laughs> Yeah, but like it slowly becomes her just like, yeah, my apartment's totally destroyed. And it's so, it's so just like dark and just like the shot of her before the hand comes down is, it just feels like so like hopeless. Like it's just like, yeah, like she's dead, you know, she's just going to become this cockroach person. It's so like, you know, dim. And then this hand comes down and then she comes up and immediately it's like, that's already, you know, such a fantasy moment of her being lifted by this 
hand, but then immediately Through a hole that previously was only large enough for his thigh. And then it cuts to, you know, like another very like uh, saturated shot of them, Red you know, dress, dancing. if I remember right, mm-hmm. from today. I should remember it. I just saw it a few hours ago. <laughs> but so yeah. you think I, that's fantasy as well? So you think she dies? Yeah, or... or I, I guess. I just read it, you know... Or it, that I, she's yeah. overtaken by the disease. Mm-hmm. She does not recover. Well, I like... What I like about all the musical numbers, they never come at, like, points where you're like, what the fuck? Like, why, why is there a musical number here? He just threw it in. It feels very, like... It's always, like, thematically connected to what just happened. There's always kind of, like, a beat before the musical numbers where it's like, oh, yeah, we're, this is, like, the next chapter of the movie. And it always... Like a real musical, it occurs when it's like, oh, the emotion has become too strong for us not to, like, break out in song. And it feels like that ending kind of is similar to that where it's like, ah, this is, like, the finale, you know? Mm. But, like, all of that feels so, like, in her head, you know, the musical numbers, because it is always, like, her in it. They kind of build you up to, like, the majesty. Because the first one is very bare, just kind of... Um, zooming one. or like dollying into and away from an elevator as she mm-hmm. sings the second one is like in a stairwell and there's three women kind of backing her up yeah i think the third one is the sneeze one the third one is probably and that one is kind of moving all around a floor of this yeah, yeah, place yeah. and then the fourth one the sneeze one is sneeze very one. like high production you know there's these hanging curtains that they're kind of moving through kind of flowing through kind of builds you up to like that grand musical tradition and yet still taking place in the building yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, grounds it in some ways like mm-hmm. it's not taking place completely in a different universe you know because like, for her and for him right the building at this point is all there is yeah you know? there's nothing else and it's also like the shop the shop that he works at like that has to be like in the building right this is i think weird, it's like, downstairs the one thing for sure that's happening is save the cat. Yeah, great uh, save the cat. Literally he happening. He literally tries really great to save the cat. Save the cat. Do moment, we, yeah. The cat, though, passed in the fumigation, right? Well, this movie would be the greatest movie of all time if there was a scene of the cat getting the cockroach disease and the cat is like walking. Like, I want like a pet cemetery cat. Andrew, I mean, you're going to have to train a cat pretty good to get it to walk around like a cockroach. I'm trying. Or just dress up a cockroach (laughs) like a cat and then it'll do the work for you. Don't say that in front of Sasha. Oh, sorry. (sighs) Not the C word. Depends on the C word. Uh, Some C words are I'm welcoming here on this podcast. (laughs) Cast. Podcast. We'll see who the first person to say that C word on this podcast is. That should be your running gag. I'm going to guess it's a British person who's talking about his buddy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sure. Um, If you're British and you listen to this podcast, we love you. Absolutely. But you'll never Shut up. I love it. So the cat is... Cat's like another character in the movie. Cat's another character. But also you see the man upstairs having like true affection for this cat yeah yeah, yeah. he, he cares for the cat he really loves the, the cat. cat he looks for the cat he you're like that's not just okay. a douchebag you know piece of shit guy who just sleeps all day <laughs> it is a literal beer. save the cat moment <laughs> yeah but like, then you know, once they realize this disease is carried by cockroaches the government sends in people to fumigate this mm-hmm. underground market area and the man goes there to to get the cat he's carrying the cat mm-hmm. away and then the cat jumps out of his hands, and we never see the cat again. Well, I'm glad he left it as an open end. Well, did you guys watch the post credit scene? Where Nick Fury <laughs> picks up the cat and yeah. says, we have a plan. Did you get hired I to punch up I want to tell you that? about the cat initiative. 
Um, <laughs> all right. So, Sasha, your first Siming Lang movie, what did you think? Trying to find out what director, what films would I put it, 10 or close to 10. Yeah, what are you thinking? Like mm-hmm. slow cinema in general? I'm interested to hear, yeah, like what you're... Uh, can I throw in Ozu? And I know yeah. that he's very different. Yeah. Not because he's Asian, he's Japanese. Right, in that sense, he's very <laughs> he's, similar. He's very different, not because he's Asian. I am obsessed with his oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. main yeah, sort of great. lady, like sort of his muse. His... Ozu's muse. His Lee Kang Shang. Um, if I put Ozu's, any of his films, really, Late Summer. All the seasons. Go look at he Wikipedia. One for... We're not a Wikipedia page. Do it yourself. Have if you I... seen Good Morning? What do you think of... Uh... Have you seen Good Morning Vietnam? <laughs> totally different subject. Have you subject, seen Good, good Morning America? Um, <laughs> I, I think that's what it's called. Or, yeah, it's the Ozu movie Good Morning. I want to look up my favorite Ozu film. So Floating I, I have... Leads? That's the only one I've seen. Really? So. You haven't seen Tokyo Story? I haven't. Tokyo I'm going to put Tokyo Story at 10 because okay. I've seen That's this movie multiple times sure. and I keep rewatching it every few years and yeah. I definitely have a lot of feelings when I watch this film. Then I think this film, the whole, would be at um, 7. I was almost ready to give it a six only because at times it was getting too slow for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's uh, like a slow pace that I love and I like when my mind wanders. Just like I watch I watch what's happening on the screen and I'm present there with the characters. But in some, in some ways, my mind is almost like free to not make connections, but just sort of be with these characters. But I found that sometimes it would go too long. Like, it happens to me when I watch Tarkovsky's films as well. Yeah. So there's certain, like, lengths sure. of a shot after which I start getting, like, okay, are we just showing off that we can hold this yeah. for that yeah, long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that's, I'm sure that's most people's reaction. But the, it doesn't happen all the time. And it didn't happen a lot of this film. The reason I'm giving it seven, aside from the fact that I appreciate that how actually, like, pretty Hollywood. Uh, it was in some ways like there was a midpoint where there was like a big turn in the story. We saw this man being carried away and she mm-hmm. saw for the first time the effects of this disease right in front of her. I really enjoyed that. I mean, just this genre of this like flu-like symptomatic disease that actually turns you into a different animal. I really enjoyed all this genre stuff. And I also respected the fact that he freaking made it an hour and a half. Like I'm mm-hmm. really grateful that it wasn't two hours because I also see the indulgence a possibility of an indulgence of yeah. going full two two and a half freaking hours with this film. The Taiwanese cut of this I, I saw is like seventy minutes. Do you think that just cut out the musical numbers? I, I hope th- not. I feel like those can't be that long, right? I don't know. I, yeah. So I think this movie deserves a lot more attention than it you know gets. I mean, just the mm-hmm. fact that it was so hard to find. Yeah, really. that's that's just it shouldn't be. Yeah, and yeah. there are other there are Simon Lang movies available on like iTunes. And like Am- uh, Amazon like had a few like on Prime. Rebels of the Neon God. That's had a really a great one. A couple of years ago, that's on there. And I'm interested in seeing Afternoon. Yeah. Because apparently it's a study, firsthand study of the director and like an artist and his muse because he's just obsessed with the actor and the actor is straight, the director is gay, yet they live together and they have this complicated relationship. They sort of put out there for the fans to observe and then they get up and leave and these two chairs uh, 
staying in the room and it's you know it sounds like a very impact. And that's the hardest one to find yeah <laughs> so really i'm interested in find. that like i became interested in his other work so mm-hmm. seven is like a fair fair number and for i me. mean that's that's a lot the fact that you want to seek out other movies that he's made that's a that's thank a, you andrew yeah that's a yeah. mission accomplished for andrew i think what about um, you, Stephen? Yeah, I agree. This was. Uh, I'm glad you brought this to our attention. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm interested in watching other Simon Lang movies now. Do other ones have kind of the genre element? There, to de- them? there are definitely ones that have that more than others. Because I always just kind of like the way people talk about them. I always thought it was yeah. kind of like domestic drama kind of stuff. No, that's the that's the thing. Because mm-hmm. it's like when you when you brought up Ozu, like the Ozu movie. I immediately thought of Good Morning, which had... Vietnam. America. Yeah, yeah, it's Good Morning, Vietnam, America, colon, (laughs) directed by Yashizuro Ozu. But, like, that one's, like, this... It's just, like, a straight comedy about these, like, two little kids who just, like, really want a TV. And, like, their mom is, like, you can't can't have a TV. So they, like, go on, like, a strike in terms of, like, talking. Like, they're they're not going to talk at all until like the mom gets him a TV and it's just a it's just funny it's just full of like bits but it's like it's the same like Ozu style where it's all these like long like very like careful like take I mean and of course Ozu is the biggest influence on Jarmusch mm-hmm. which Jarmusch has confirmed yeah. like, many times in his interviews but yeah and like that and like Jacques Tati I feel like is like another huge yes. Siming Lang type thing where it's like it, it it's it's like holding on these kind of like wide shots and like having characters do a bunch of like very visual, physical stuff that's often like really funny. Like I was really struck watching the whole this time. I was like this movie's very funny, and he's got. And you've seen it how many times? I've seen it twice. Uh-huh. I've seen it twice. Uh, once more than Stephen, who's seen it once, and fifty percent um, more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Hundred percent more. more. My a, math is I'm completely off. I'm a hundred percent more qualified to talk about this movie than Stephen is. <laughs> if my math is correct. Yeah, um, it's a funny movie. I yeah. I was very amused by it. I loved the musical sequences. I'm I'm gonna give this movie an eight. Wow, eight out of ten. And you know what? On a rewatch, I, there's a possibility I could like it more yeah. if I ever got to the level of Andrew where I <laughs> could have seen this movie twice. Gosh, if I had the opportunity. Uh, uh, all right. So Andrew, yes. what if you had to rate this yeah. on a scale of one to ten? Where would you put it? So I'm gonna give this a ten. Hey. Because I love it. Shut up. That's I love wh- it. That's why title. you're here. It would be weird if I gave this less than a 10 at this well, point. Well, you... <laughs> I wouldn't love it. Happens more often than you think. <laughs> what? People sometimes change their <laughs> mind after a Sometimes day. we convince Not people... Not maybe. <laughs> sometimes we convince people they don't like the thing as much I, as they thought they did. I'm the convincer now. I've convinced you. All right. We've all seen... Weird-ass movie. We've all seen Captain Phillips. We know that classic line, <laughs> I'm the convincer now. All right, so 10 out of 10. Any 10 of 10. any last words you want to say about this film? Yeah, I I feel like we brushed over like a little bit of how like of, of like, you know, American audience is not responding to this until like a few years ago. I had never heard of Simon Lang or like any of his movies. It truly just is like no one knows about it. And like a lot of, you know, like the more like artsy directors we've talked about over the course of this discussion, like Tarkovsky and uh, and Ozu and stuff, those are people that I feel like go into a film school. Like everyone kind of knows. These are they're in the director Giants. canon, you know. They, For these sure, are, yeah. These are acknowledged auteurs. Yeah, and I feel like it's weird because the first Simon Lang movie I saw was at a screening at the Metrograph in New York, and it was Goodbye Dragon Inn. Stephen just rolled his eyes. And, and he's bragging about the movie theaters oh he's been to. Oh my doing. god! I like never 
heard of this guy and I just like saw this movie. And that's another like, you know, it's like real slow. It just takes place in this movie theater. But it's like the thing that immediately got me was like, oh, this is like funny. The way that you would pitch this movie to someone is not how it feels. And I feel like it when you pitch it to someone, they're just going to a lot of times they're going to like check out and be like, oh, that just a slow, weird movie that like flirts with these genre elements. But when you really watch it, I don't think it feels pretentious. I think it feels very mm-hmm. like it's honestly it's just like a fun movie. Like when I watched it last week, I was just like immediately struck by like, you know, the way it opens with like all this like voiceover of like these radios that are like there's this disease going around and it's like exciting you're like oh fuck i'm like watching a disaster movie and then it immediately cuts to a guy just sitting on his couch doing nothing sleeping yeah not enough people know about Simon lang well now tens of thousands yeah. of listeners to shut up i love it i've got we've got know. the screen that says how many people are listening to and they're it. logging in as we speak with their it's crashing yeah. it's crashing there's too many people you know speaking of tens of thousands of <laughs> listeners andrew yes. what would you like to plug so i make a lot of music it's under my name andrew hayworth it's h-a-w it's not spelled the way it sounds yeah, I know. Just look at the Hallworth? episode title. Yeah, Te- it looks technically like it's Haworth. Technically it's Haworth, but it's weird. My grandpa apparently used to tell people when they asked how to pronounce his name because no one could pronounce it. He was like, "Oh, it's it's Haworth," uh, you know, like Howard things. And uh, my <laughs> my grandma, her last name was Ings. <laughs> this is real. And so when she got married, she used to joke like, "Oh yeah, my my last name is Howard things." Uh, is this real? This is real. Don't look at me. This is what my grandma know. told me. I don't know. I don't know Andrew. I don't know his family. <laughs> I regret bringing him on this podcast. Well, uh, Andrew is also the composer for our yes, music that's right. of the that, podcast. That song that you heard at the beginning of the episode, Andrew wrote it. Mm-hmm. The one you hear at the end. <laughs> all, the, all the musical number breaks. The sneezing song. I did that one. And... Um, party crew on yes. youtube uh, it's yeah. a feature that you made it's a feature i made it's about a world where you can become immortal by going to a party having sex with someone and drinking alcohol every night and if you do that every night you'll live forever and be young forever if you stop for one night you die classic teen comedy it's like a simon lang <laughs> no it is <laughs> no, it's not as like a simon lang you like making instagram stories so say your instagram my instagram is it's just andrew hayworth uh, but yeah, I do love making Instagram stories. All right, that's enough out of you. Uh, all, right. all right, you can see Sasha and I every second and fourth Thursday of the month at the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue, where we host the Direct-to-Video Awards, our improv show. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for artwork. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our theme music. Thank you, Carlton Gillespie, for promo videos. And thank you for listening. Thank you.